0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. I want you to know that I sought the Lord for this moment. Thank you for standing in honor of the Word. I sought the Lord for this moment. For this moment right now. I sought the Lord, and I sought Him in the message that he's laid on my heart and what he wants me to say today. And what I'm going to bring to you as his vessel came from the Lord. God worked with me in this over the last several weeks. And I think it is a critically important message. And it ties into our efforts reaching our cities through Save Our City. I'm going to take you first to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, Excuse me, I'm sorry, chapter four. 1 Timothy chapter four. I'm sorry, uh, media group, this is not in my notes. God spoke to me this morning while I was preparing in prayer for today and gave me this additional scripture to lead my message. 1 Timothy chapter four, starting at verse one, says, now the Spirit speaketh expressly. That means very clearly and very directly that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. Paul is writing to his pastor Timothy, his pastor friend Timothy that he raised up, he's writing to him about Christian people, about followers, that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. How many know that any doctrine that does not source itself from the word of God, uninterpreted, unmessed with, uncontrolled, or contrived, it is not sourced in the word of God, it is a doctrine of devils. There are only two sources of doctrine, God Almighty and the enemy. Amen? Amen. They will give heed to seducing spirits. That means that they will begin to listen to things that are being spoken into their minds or into their heads, into their lives that are seducing. In other words, drawing them away from the doctrine of God. And they'll listen to these doctrines of devils. Verse two, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. That means... Permanent. Verse 3 goes on to say, Forbidding to marry, how many know that the the sanctity and the institution of marriage is under horrific attack in our society today? More live together and have relationships outside of the the, uh, ceremonial marriage than ever before. And commanding to abstain from meats... You know, people used to ascribe that to a particular faith belief, but I want to tell you today, I believe that it's part of a cultural norm that is coming over our nation right now against meat, protein, the sustenance that God gave us to build strength. But there's a spiritual aspect to this. How many are hearing it all over the place? Come on, they're telling us that herds of cattle are causing global warming and, and, and how terrible it is that we would slaughter pigs and all these different animals that God provided. That's another message I'm I'm diverting from that. For meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. I want you to focus on verse six because this is the one that God rang my bell over on this first part. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Your pastor wants to be a good minister of Jesus Christ. You ought to want to be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine whereunto thou hast attained but refuse profane and old wives' table, ta- fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. You can be seated this morning. Put the brethren in remembrance of these things and thou shalt be a good minister of the Lord. I want to turn you this morning also to Second Timothy chapter 3. this also was this morning sorry ladies and the sister kylie's working the video back there 2nd Timothy chapter 3 starting at verse 1 says know this also that in the last days perilous times shall come anybody feel like times are just a little bit perilous out there <laughs> supply chains falling apart McDonald's can't get McNuggets made or something Things are slowing down, the media is hyping up all of this law everything's backed up in Los Angeles, six thousand boats or something floating in the water can't deliver. My goodness, we're not gonna have our TVs for Christmas this year. Can you believe the news stories about how you better get out and get your Christmas presents if you haven't already? It's too late. God forbid we go through a Christmas where we sit down together over a meal and love one another and talk about the good things of God and the gift we give back to one another is love and appreciation and a hug and a kiss and a wonderful conversation and a time of remembrance. God forbid we don't have things to tear open and presents to throw aside and oh my goodness, what are we going to do without our material wealth this Christmas? Thank you, God. Perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of themselves, covetous boasters, proud blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Many of you are nodding, you've seen this, you've heard this scripture, people love to put it on Facebook and be profound in their prophetic announcements of what's going on in our world without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, false accusers incontinent, meaning unable to control your anger, fierce, despisers of those that are good. How many know that no matter how good you are, you're still human and you make mistakes? Are you worthy of despise? No. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, reminding you again that Paul is writing to his pastor friend that he raised about the saved, about the Christians, about the people of the faith. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lusts, ever learning and never, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Many are offended by that phrase, silly women. Look it up. It doesn't mean goofy or silly or nonsensical. It refers to a level of ignorance, unaware. Women tending to the home, working hard with the children, doing the things that they're attending to. I'm talking scripturally now. Captive, led away. There is a process that's taking place right now Within the Christian Church, within the Christian world, it's been a long time coming, but that the spirit of the world is preparing to make its final move. If you have not paid attention to society, paid attention to the things that are being said through our media, you know that the church is about to come under attack. It's very, very close. But within the church, the spirit of the world is operating and moving and he's getting ready in a combination with what's happening in our civil environment, he's getting ready to begin to persecute the church. But I wanna talk to you today about a tale of two churches and I'm gonna expose the enemy. And I'm gonna expose what the enemy is planning on doing, what he's trying to do, because I wanna strengthen my brothers and sisters, I wanna gather you together in my Christmas environment this year without televisions and VCRs and well, that just dated me, but all this other junk, and love my church family and prepare them to be strong and ready for what the enemy wants to do. I'm tired of sitting back and watching it happen. I'm tired of not leading my church through this process, and God convicted me over this message to say, there is a tale of two churches. The spirit of the world is operating, and it is time that we stand up and recognize exactly what he's doing. And I'm not talking about the UPC church or this particular church. I'm not talking about any particular body. I'm talking about the individuals that represent themselves throughout this nation and around the world as Christians standing up for God, at least... To this point, the final push against the church is beginning, both in civil and society, and in the spiritual realm as well. For many years, the wheat and the chaff—you've heard the parable—the wheat and the chaff—for a long, long time, from the beginning, from the time of the scriptures were written, the wheat and the chaff existed together in the same body. That's just how it was. If you read scripture, you know that the enemy planted the chaff amongst the wheat. And if we begin to pull, the Bible warns us, if we begin to pull the chaff, we're gonna catch the wheat with it. It has to be dealt with, it has to be loved, it has to be taught and trained and brought up. Well, for all of these years that the wheat and the chaff has existed together, the spiritual, the committed, the dedicated, the people who love God and truly are about the mission of the church have existed side by side throughout Christendom for all time alongside those who are self-serving, those who are there for purposes of division, those who are serving the flesh, and are there for some unknown reason except maybe directed by the enemy. This is truth. This is reality. It is irrefutable. It's simply the plan of the enemy. The spiritual war has raged back and forth in the church and amongst church bodies for hundreds of years. Before it's all said and done, there will be a break between these two churches. They will split It is inevitable. It is not possible to hold that back. It is part of God's plan. The wheat will be separated from the chaff, the goats from the lambs. The marriage supper of the lamb is for God's people, the ones that he knows. One of these days, folks, God is going to split that eastern sky and he's coming back for his bride, pure and chaste and holy and working with the purpose that he gave us. Save Our City is about just that thing. Folks, I want to have my hands in the dirt. I want to be tilling the ground. I want to be doing the work that God has directed us to do when he splits that sky and comes and says, where is my bride? When he knocks on the door and says, where is my church? I want my church. I want to be leading the way and saying, we're over here, God. We're right over here in a Walk. We're just getting ready to start another Bible study over here. God, but if it's time to go to the Merit Supper of the Lamb, God, please take me, Lord, But it's best I did. But in the other day, we were over in Wales, and we, we had a whole revival going on over there. And we, our music team was out in Delafield, and they were leading a worship and you know what people got the Holy Ghost God so if it's time to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb please I bid you take us with I think we did it I think we're worthy because I care because I care about you and I care about the lost souls that are out there and I'm declaring it today as loud as I can I'm doubly accountable I'm responsible to make sure that you know that he's coming back for you and he wants you to be ready he wants you to be a pure and chaste bride ready to go with him. Turn with me this morning to the book of Ephesians. Let's compare these two churches that Paul talks about in his letter to the Ephesians uh, starting at chapter four, in chapter four, starting at verse 17. Paul writes to that fledgling church encouraging him in the ways of the Lord. He says, this I say therefore, at verse 17, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. He's stressing to the church at Ephesus, you've got to turn the corner. Do not walk as the other Gentiles walk. It was understood at that time that Gentiles either were completely godless or followed strange heathen gods, that, that, it, that they weren't associated at all with Jesus Christ. So, when he said, Don't walk like the Gentiles, he was saying, Stop following false gods. You've got to turn your attention to the Lord. The false church will continue to walk in the way of the world. Vanity or pride is going to dominate their minds. Not only that, they will justify and rationalize their behavior as okay. Justification or rationalization. One particular radio personality used to say is the second most powerful force in mankind's psyche. It's the second most powerful driving force is rationalization. Somebody always, always somebody in there says, what's the first most powerful drive? Well, let's just put it this way. You're here because of it. That'll sink in the second most powerful drive is rationalization and through pride and those seducing spirits that he talked to Timothy about it will get into the minds of people that they will justify or rationalize any behavior as okay it's not gossip it's well i was just sharing well i just i'm just bringing out a problem i'm just trying to find a solution to an issue and they will rationalize in their minds. Verse 18 says, Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. In other words, an unwillingness to learn, an unwillingness to go any further. The false church will be populated and peopled by folks that went so far and made themselves, chose to be ignorant. Ignorant. I will not go any further because the more that I know and the more that I hear, the more I am beholden to, to God Almighty. You understand? They're going to operate in a purposeful and willful ignorance and it says because of the blindness, that word means hardening, the blindness of their heart, they will harden This is a tough life. Living for God, ultimately to the word as best you can, is a hard life. We face criticism, we face temptation, we face all kinds of frustrations. We look upon the prosperity of the wicked, Isaiah said, and our feet almost slip because we see how well everybody else is doing, enjoying the fun of the world and enjoying the indulgences and all of that stuff. But what we don't see is when they're lying in bed at night weeping in fear and in misunderstanding, when they're dealing with a, a child that's overdosed or they're dealing with a failing marriage. We don't see that part when we're looking at the prosperity of the wicked. And our hearts harden because this life is hard. It's tough doing these things. People are people and we bump into one another. A church, unfortunately, is a congregation of multiple personalities and different types of people always constantly connecting together for diff- different purposes and different things. And, and, and you know what? You're going to have familiarity. Familiarity sometimes breeds contempt. You get a little irritated. Some people's personalities don't crisscross. This church thing is really hard. But rather than let it harden you, he's saying to the Ephesians, he's saying, come on, you've got to rise above that. Don't be blind. Don't allow yourselves to harden because things went wrong and you had a conflict with somebody. Learn to love and forgive. When you're feeling that way, turn to God. Remember the direction that you were heading into, a pit of hell, of eternal fire that you were going to burn in if you didn't get your life straight. I can forget about everything anybody did to me if I just turn and look and say, thank God for Mary Unns, who said to my mom, come to a Bible study and learn about Jesus Christ because without that day, I wouldn't be here. I can forget about all of that stuff that we deal with with people. Get over it. It's going to be tough when you're wholly committed, when you're completely committed to anything. You never think about quitting. You never think about giving up or being angry or letting your offense ride with you, do you? It's the people that are half-hearted, half-in and half-out that are sort of committed that allow an offense to get in and burn them up. But I want to tell you, as long as you're half committed, he's telling people in the, P, the church of Ephesus, as long as you're half committed, you'll always contemplate quitting. How much longer can I do this church thing? How much longer can I put up with, with that person or this the thing and the pastor's mistakes or or whatever it is? If you're half in, you're always thinking about quitting. Always. And eventually you will, is what he's saying. It's what's happening in the churches right now. you know that somewhere in the neighborhood of a thousand evangelical pastors quit their jobs almost on a weekly basis? They're giving up. You know how many of them are committing suicide? There's a foundation that's built there on the wrong thing. We've got to strive. And continue to move forward and be wholly committed. That's what he's talking to, to the people of Ephesus about. Look on to verse 19. He said, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness. Lasciviousness is no shame. It's, it's almost flaunting your sin. It's almost just kind of putting it out there like, that's okay. Where in the Bible does it say I can't do this? If I heard it a million times, I've heard it two million. Where does the Bible say you can't drink a beer? It doesn't say that in the Bible. But I'm wholly committed to God, so I will drink none of it at all, and that way not risk becoming a drunkard. See, I'm wholly committed all the way, and I'm not going to let somebody else stumble who struggled with that type of a thing in the past, because I'm wholly committed. And I'm not thinking about someday, well, maybe one of these days I'm just walking out of this deal and I can drink all I want to. I'm not thinking that way. Wholly committed. To work all uncleanness with greediness, it says. Greediness meaning just for myself. Verse 20, but ye have not so learned Christ. If so, be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. That's simply just saying, take what you were and completely walk away towards God. What's happening in modern Christendom today is people are taking what they were right alongside them right on into the church. And they hold tight to that piece and they think, it's rationalized, it's okay, it's justified, pastor says it's all right, this is okay, this is the way we can do this. Well, I've just decided I can't find it in the Bible, so it's all right. That's not a whole commitment. That's not giving it all over to God. You know why people do that, I believe? I I believe that people believe they're going to miss out on something. You ever hear that phrase? They use it a lot now. What is it, FOMO or something like that? Fear of missing out? Right? We fail to do things the proper way because we feel like we're going to miss something. We're not going to get something out of the deal. We're not going to have a pleasure or some kind of a fun that we want to have or, or that particular group of friends isn't going to like us anymore or whatever it is. It's a fear of missing out. How many know that God sources all of that fear? No. God doesn't speak to you in fear. God doesn't speak to you in terms of what you're going to miss out on. And if people would learn and understand that there are pleasures forevermore when you commit wholly to God, when you give everything you got to Him, there's more pleasures behind that than you could ever conjure up in this world with all the money that's available to everybody. You can't fulfill it, what He can do. Amen? How many know that's true and experience it all the time? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This is what the true church will do. Verse 23, it'll be renewed in the spirit of their mind. They'll put on a new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. True holiness. What is the true essence of holiness? It's not about dress or how you talk or all that stuff, in the essence of what it is. True holiness is total and complete submission to God and his authority. All the other stuff, all the trappings, everything that we teach is good principles from the word of God. Everybody say amen, principles from the word of God. All of that comes along afterwards. True holiness, total submission to God and his authority. And that's where the world is today. That's the tale of two churches the lack of submission, the lack of the willingness to say, I'll give it all to him. I'm gonna hang on to some things. I, got, I enjoy this and I enjoy that. And I've got my little secret thing that I do that nobody knows. It doesn't hurt anybody. I'm just gonna go ahead and hang on to it because I've rationalized if it doesn't hurt anybody, it's okay. Meanwhile, what they don't realize is it's hurting them. Amen? Come on, I know I'm relating. It says, wherefore, putting away lying. This is the true church. We'll put away lying. You know, there are people that lie as a matter of conversation. Do you ever run into somebody like that? It's like they just make up stuff that's inconsequential, insignificant. They don't even have to tell the lie, and they just tell stories because there's a spirit in the world that induces this behavior and rationalize it, and it's pumped through our media, and it's pumped through everything that we're experiencing out in the world. People just lie randomly for any particular reason, but certainly for the reason of manipulation and for control and to gain things from other people. You go to, anybody buy a car recently? (laughs) I'm sorry, not all car salespeople are liars, but I'll tell you what, they sure can evade some things. I don't have anything against car salespeople. I have friends that are selling cars. Wherefore they're putting away lying. They're speaking every man truth with his neighbor. Why? Because we are members one of another. You know what that means? That means that you're connected with me, and I'm connected with you, and connected with the person that you like, and you're connected with another person that I like. You ever hear this, this philosophy in the world and the way people treat each other and they talk? Is well, a friend of my enemy is a friend of, the enemy of my friend is a friend of your enemy. Uh, that nonsense? No, we love everybody. You know, maybe I don't want to go out to dinner every other month or so with your friend, but you know what? He's your friend. He's my friend. He's part of the body. We're all in one body together. And the enemy has convinced the false church that it's okay to have little groups and little sections that ward off other people and and sit back and talk about, well, you know, Mary, I heard the other day, well, I heard something recently. Well, I heard, blah, blah, blah. And they've convinced themselves and rationalized that it's okay to do that and create groups and create these different little divisions. Well, that's okay. I just don't have the same personalities. I'd rather just do that. Well, I hope that you've seen your pastor move from one end of this church to the next and front to the back in every single section because I love every single one of you and you're all very, very important to me. How you feel, how you're doing, what's happening in your life is meaningful. Every single one of you. I'm looking across this entire congregation. Every single one of you is extremely important to me. I love every single one of you. Because this is what God has called us to do. Not to have these divisions, but as Paul said to the Ephesians, one member, all together, as one. Pastor, you make mistakes that irritate me. I love you. Did you get that? I hope that's not one of the mistakes. Because that's the biggest thing I try to be. People of the false church will justify and rationalize lying. Little white lies. Well, it was for the greater good. Well, it's okay if I embellish a little bit. It's all right if I don't tell this one particular part. Unity will never be a concern with a church that is okay with meddling with the truth. Amen? Amen. Verse twenty six says, "Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath." True Christians will experience anger. You're going to have those problems. You might just get outright just hacked off at me about something, but they'll get them. Things you'll get hurt. You'll get upset. Things will happen. But the false church will act out on that in anger and justify it and cause more harm. Be angry and sin not. Verse 27, probably my favorite in this whole thing, never give place to the devil. The true church never gives place to the devil. You know what that means? The word place comes from the Greek word tapos. It's where we get the word topographical. It literally means a place or a geographical location. In other words, any place the devil can get a foothold in your life, any physical, spiritual, geographical location in your life, he will get a hold of. The false church will give the devil his territory in your life, unforgiveness or judging or gossip or anger or unwillingness to submit. Those are territories in your life and the devil's just chomping at the bit to get a hold of that. Man, Brother Kylie. the devil wants to get a hold of your submission. There's a piece of territory in your spiritual life. It's titled. If it had a map, it'd have a geographical waves and all that stuff and there'd be a title across it and it'd say, Submission. But see, the devil wants to get a hold of that. He wants to occupy that territory. Well, I know for a fact you don't give him that place because I've known you long enough to know that. But see, there's a lot of people that have that piece of territory in their life called submission, and sometimes they give it over to the devil, they give place to the enemy. You follow me? We have lots and lots and lots of these geographical locations in our spiritual walk. And they're denoted in those scriptures that I just gave you a little while ago in Timothy and the ones I'm reading right now. The devil wants to own those. He wants to build a house on your territory called submission or judging or anger or lust or whatever that issue is. Well, I don't have lust, Brother Cordell. Yeah, yeah, you do. Because if you didn't, I couldn't see you because you wouldn't have any flesh. Yeah, you've got territory called lust. And if we give place to the devil, he'll take ownership of it and he'll build a house on it. We call them in the scripture strongholds. Verse 28, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give him that needeth. The false church will not take Excuse me, we will take but not give. That's what that means, steal no more. When we're, prior to knowing Jesus, the Christian church, the Christian person, prior to knowing Jesus, we're just classically born and raised as takers. So all we do is we take. Come on, anybody remember their old life before Jesus? We just take and we take and we're concerned. Well, the whole world's teaching you to do it from the time you're an infant, Right? Be all you can be, do what you can do, be yourself, your truth, tell your truth, do what you need to do for you. I'm taking care of number one, numero uno, macho, all that stuff that we've heard over and over and over again in our lives. Sports figures, get up there. It's all about me and my family. I need $29 million a year for me and my family. The true church will be laboring. That word laboring in the scripture right there, by the way, it means working to a point of exhaustion. Working to a point of exhaustion. The great Vince Lombardi used to talk about his football team, and he would talk about I've got this, I've got this poster in, in the conference room back there where he talks about lying on the field of battle, exhausted in victory. Vince Lombardi expected a bunch of dumb football players to come onto the field and give everything they had to the point they were exhausted and fell to the field. I want to live like that. That's what I was talking about when I was talking about getting out to these cities. I want to get my hands in the dirt. I want to work hard. I want to continue to reach out. Every person I talk to, I'm still giving out those cards. Anybody got, I love my church cards. I'm still talking to people, talking to strangers, whatever I can do. But I want to work to the point of exhaustion. The Bible says laboring. And when Paul said laboring, he expected you to put on your football uniform and get onto the field of battle and fight and work until your fingers bled and you fell to the ground victorious. God Almighty, if Vince Lombardi can expect it, I think Jesus can expect it too. Verse 29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good of the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. The false church will continue to use their mouth for destruction. You know what the book of James says about the power and the poison of the tongue. It can set worlds on fire. And the false church will continue to do it and justify it and rationalize it. There's no place in the true church for unwarranted criticism. If we've got something to criticize about, we need to take a step back and say, what could I have done about it first? I don't like the color they painted the sanctuary. Nobody said that, by the way. I think everybody really liked it. I didn't hear that. So I'm just... I'm just using that as an example. I don't like the color of the paint, this, this paint in the sanctuary. Why'd they color it this way? I don't like gray. What'd you do about it? Where's your role in it? Was that necessary? Can you serve God in a church that's painted gray? I think I made my point. Literally, nobody said that. Everybody seemed to like it. Did Anybody not like the gray? Okay. No one's raising their hand because of what I just said. The false church will speak in slander, obscenity, vulgarity. I know people, anybody here know people like through Facebook or, or jobs or whatever and then on their Facebook post, saying, like, God was so merciful and wonderful. I love Jesus and it's so wonderful. And then two days later, they rip off a line of vulgarity and I go unfriend. <laughs> Unbelievable. But I see it all the time. The true church uses no such language and ministers grace. You know what that means when when Paul said in 29, minister grace, kindness. Kind words, encouragement. You know, Brother Cordell, I absolutely despise gray. But I love our church and I know it was a collective agreement that was made. And you know what? I think I can live with it or not at all. Verse 30 says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. The false church will neglect reading the word, they'll neglect prayer, and they'll neglect holy living. The true church is reading every day. Where's all my little partners that have been reading their Bible? Where are they all? Who's, all, who's reading their Bible? All the challenge kids, raise your hand. Oh, I see one back there, Gabriel. Yep, Devon. You guys are still reading, right? You know what? Because the true church is in the word of God every single day. Feeding, feeding, and feeding, and strengthening themselves. Prayer and holy living. Let all bitterness, that means a resentful spirit, not being resentful, let all bitterness, and wrath, and anger, and clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. When Paul said it that way, when he said let it be put away from you, he literally meant remove it from your character. Take it from what is you, the essence of you, and remove those things from you permanently. When he said, with all malice, he literally meant, when you say, I am not going to do that anymore, get away from me, the stinking stuff that I hate about myself, get away. He meant literally, with malice, remove those things from who you are. The characteristics of the false church at the end will represent these things, and they will be separated out. Verse 32 says, and be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. What a wonderful, simple math problem we can do. What a lovely axiom. What a wonderful, simple exchange that God has asked to simply be kind one another, tenderhearted, loving. And oh, by the way, for doing that, I'm going to keep you out of hell. That seems like a fair exchange to me. I think I can do that. I think I can hold my tongue. I think I can deal with frustrations. I think I can, I can try to figure out a way to better think about things because God's basically keeping me out of hell. Seems fair. Right? Eternity. It's kind of rough. All right? The Christian church will continue in kindness, humility, loving, forgiving. And working for him. How many know that the harder you labor and the more that you do for the kingdom of God, you kind of forget about your own problems? See, the devil wants to take this thing called selfishness. Selfishness is a gigantic magnifying glass. That's what selfishness is. And what he does is when we're being selfish, is he takes this gigantic magnifying glass and he slides it across our view over to our problems and that little infinitesimal little thing somebody said or did that irritated me or some word that somebody gave me that there's no justification for no no witness to whatever and he takes that big old magnifying glass and he makes it look like mount everest this is what he's doing to the false church he's causing all of these things to be blown up into massive issues but you know what happens when you begin working for the lord calling on people, spending a little time witnessing, maybe teaching a Bible study, maybe looking over your list in your phone book. Who can I call today? Who can I invite to Harvest Fest coming up here pretty soon? When you're busy doing that, the devil, with all of his might and all of his power, couldn't shove that, that magnifying glass anywhere near you. See, when you're working, and you're doing what he's called you to do, he's got no power. That's the magic. That's the great thing about the true church. The Bible says to know them that labor among you. Know those that are part of the true church. Know them by what? What does the Bible tell us that we'll know each other truly as the true church by anyone? Our fruits, exactly. Somebody comes up and says something to you about, well, just so you know, blah, 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 blah. Do the fruits match? Does the story match the fruit? Because the fruit will rise to the top. And if we continuously bear fruit, That's scriptural and biblical. The stories don't match up. Things don't start to add up real well, right? Know those that labor among you. How do you know them? Check out their fruit. Don't criticize their fruit and inspect their fruit and tell them why their fruit isn't ripe enough or colorful enough or tasteful enough or whatever. Just watch their fruit. Are they doing things for the Lord? Are they producing? Are they kind? Are they... Does their character match what the word of God says? Very simple. Your walk is no more dependent on what others do. You are on the hook to do what you must do to be part of the true church and focus on your own salvation. Paul said it and excuse me, Luke wrote it in Acts chapter two, verse 40. Save yourselves from this untoward generation. That means to be actively seeking to separate yourselves from the false church. That's what it means. Save yourselves from this untoward generation. It means the generation that's going in the wrong direction. That's up to you. I can't save you. You can't save anybody else we got to save our sins, he said to the Philippians in 2 and 12. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The true church won't concern itself with inspecting other people's salvation or checking in and being the inspector. You know what happens when the false church is out there inspecting other people's walks and, and their mistakes? They're hiding their own. They're hiding their own. See, the more that I can put the focus on you, it justifies. Well, he look at the mistake he made. So it's okay if I go and do this thing. I can rationalize the gossip I said about him because look what he did. But see, that's not according to Scripture. The focus then becomes about helping other people find the same thing. Humility and submission is so powerful in that area. When we're working out our own salvation, we're focusing on making sure we're doing what's right. It's really, really hard to get into somebody else's business and decide what's right or wrong with them. Amen? The true church will not concern itself with inspecting other people, just their own. So it starts with commitment, and I'm closing this morning. Too many are half in and half out of the church, as I mentioned before, prime, prime candidates to slip into the false church. If there are people that are halfway in and halfway out, not completely committed, the devil's just standing at the door, waiting to bait his hook with your favorite sin, your favorite issue, he's ready to pull you right on over. And the false church is growing fast. It's growing very quickly, unfortunately. Matthew chapter 22, starting at verse one. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son. How many know that the king is, is God Almighty and the son is Jesus Christ? And sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding and they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, tell them which are bidden, behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready, come unto the marriage. This is a message to the Jews, this is a message to the, to the people that were chosen by God, they were being bidden to the wedding, this is as the kingdom of heaven. Remember what pastor always says, anytime the scripture says, whenever the Bible says, the kingdom of heaven is like unto. This is a pathway to make sure we're on the right track to heaven. So what he's saying is the king has having a wedding for his son. How many know the marriage supper of the lamb is about to come? So here are these people, the chosen of God, the ones that were the apple of his eye, ready. He was preparing for them, and they were rejecting him. He was preparing it just for them. Listen to what it goes on to say. But they made light of it. How many know that the pe- there's people out there just mocking and laughing at Christians and what they do? And they went their ways, one to his farm and another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. God's people, not the enemy, not, I'm not talking about all the ites and the Malachites and the Zibbidites and all that. I'm talking about God's people have been slaughtering the servants of God for four or 5,000 years attacking the men of God, killing them, and not listening to them because it's an inconvenient message that they bring. For over 5,000 years, the men of God have been a prime serving on the tables of the families of people who were supposed to be serving him. The false church will do what it can to bring down as many ministers and pastors and leaders as it can, Those preaching the hard truth will always, always be a target. That's just reality. And when you step up to be a leader, as Sister Vernon said this past weekend, when you step up to be a leader, you put a target on your back. You know what? I'm willing. I'm ready. The devil can do what he can. He can use whatever false church member he wants to, but I'm ready because I'm going to preach the hard truth. And as it said in the Scripture in Timothy Bring them to remembrance of these things and be a good minister, amen? Verse seven says, but when the king heard thereof, he was wroth and sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, the wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. The marriage supper of the lamb is for the true church. Go ye therefore into the highways and as many as ye shall find, bid them to the marriage. Folks, we are going to go into the highways and the byways and the towns and the cities and the coffee shops and the restaurants and wherever we have to go, and we're going to invite all these new people. You know what? Because the false church of people had decided to move on, decided to live a false life, turned their back on the marriage supper of the king. But you know what? There's a remnant out here. There's some people out here that I'm looking at that are saying, no, 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 I'm not like that. I want to come to the wedding. So he's coming. He's coming for us. And we're going to go into the highways and byways as servants like he's asking us to, and we're going to find those people because there's some hurting folks out there. There's some people that are struggling right now that need to know and hear that Jesus is the answer. They need to know that the hurts and the pains and the addictions and everything that you're dealing with can be solved in an altar at 995 South Sawyer Road. It can happen and it can happen for you. We're going to be those servants, aren't we? Because the true church is going to say, oh yes sir, yes sir, I'm going to go do it. I'll be out into the highways and byways right quick says in verse 10, you can stand with me this morning. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. (laughs) In other words, when you go out there, some of them are gonna be rough. Some of them are gonna drink. Some of them are gonna smoke. Some of them are gonna have addictions. Some are gonna have broken marriages. Some of them aren't gonna be all together square upstairs for a little while because of all the emotional torment they've had. Some of them are gonna smell bad. Some of them aren't gonna to look too good. Some of them aren't gonna wear fancy suits and stupid ties. Some are gonna look pretty hard to work with. But that's the ones that he wants. That's the ones that are gonna say, Yes, okay, I wanna to come to that 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 marriage supper. That sounds good to me. So because of all the false church ones that turned away and said, my merchandise is more important, my life is more important, my offenses are more important, and I don't like the way they did that and this and that, they're all doing their own thing, that's fine. But there's a king that's waiting for his servants to get out into the highways and byways and invite people to the marriage supper. So those servants went onto the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, And the wedding was furnished with guests. Bad and good simply means everybody qualifies. As the true church begins to separate, I want you to listen to what Paul said throughout the book of Acts. These are the characteristics of the true church the one that's going to make an impact, the one that's going to take the world by storm. He said in Acts chapter 5 and 28, we're going to fill Jerusalem with our doctrine. That's what he said in Acts 5 and 28. He said, we're going to do it. They were under attack from the leadership there. They were being told at that point, stop preaching Jesus. And he said, we're going to fill Jerusalem with our doctrine. You know what we're going to do with the Save Our City campaign? They're going to see bits and pieces here and there. Abundant life, abundant life, abundant life. We have hope. There's hope in Jesus. We can do some things. We can help you. Come on down. We're going to be there for you. We're inviting you. We're going to fill Jerusalem that's these cities right around here by the way if you you didn't get that with the word of God Acts chapter 8 and 4 he told them flat out we're going to go everywhere preaching the word that's a characteristic of the true church wherever you are be prepared to preach the word share the word give the word invite somebody whatever it may be but we're going to go everywhere and preach the word Acts chapter 17 and verse 6 He talked about turning the world upside down. Literally said, we're going to turn the world upside down. If you're not doing something every day, when you get up thinking about, what can I do today to turn my world upside down? You're missing out on an opportunity. Because there's somebody out there right now suffering badly whose world is right side up. You see, the way the enemy wants it. The way the false church is working with them in their right side world and working for them too good. We need to get out there with the word of God and turn that thing upside down and show them what real, true love is all about, what healing is all about, what miracles are all about. And finally, in Acts chapter 19 and 10, all of Asia will hear the word of the Lord Jesus. That's our world. All of our heal world and when people run into us out in the streets and the highways and byways or people that we've talked to they're not going to hear about oh come to our church we have really good music you know what we have really awesome music and it's wonderful and they're going to experience that but that's not what we're going to lead with and we're not going to hear come on over we got Starbucks in the lobby isn't that great I don't know. Someday we may have Starbucks in the lobby. I guess you can start a petition. But even if we do, that's not what we're going to lead with. Oh, come on down. we got a program for you. Oh, we got fun things for the kids. That's not what we're going to lead with. We're going to lead with the Word of God. We're going to lead with hope. going to lead with what's your need what can I do to help you today let me show you the answer that God's got for you with boldness we're going to reach all of Asia with the word of God you know why we are the true church amen not the organization my licensing credentials you the people are the true church this altar is open this morning and I'm hoping today with an open altar and I'm going to stand back there and guard the door from all the kids running out be warned I'm hoping today as you approach this altar this morning that you take hold of your identity and who you are as the true church And now you know what the devil can do. And now you know how he creates a false church and the temptations that could lie in wait for any one of us. You've been armored. You've been given the secrets of the enemy's tactics. So I'm hoping today this altar call is a declaration. Come down here and declare that you are the true church. devil, you are not going to take me down. You are not going to tempt me away. You're not going to use your words. You're not going to get in my ear. I have a purpose, and that purpose is to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to the people who desperately need it. Because if I stand here and I hog heaven all to myself and keep it in my back pocket and just hide away until the bell rings, I'm not doing what God's called me to do, and I'm in danger devil you're not going to trick me into rationalizing my behavior you're not going to trick me into telling me the things that I do wrong that I know in the secret of night when I lie in bed and wait and I, and I think about it are okay I know you're not going to do it to me today make it a declaration this morning tell the enemy what you're not but tell God what you are Jesus I am the true church amen this altar is open this morning come on down